This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Friday, 18th of November, 2022. We have uh, so markets getting into a bit more of a defensive mode uh, yesterday, but intraday finding support at a key area just above 3,900, right around that prior uh, pivot high. Uh, back from uh, late October. Uh, so sentiment stabilizing, but not really improving much overnight. And you can see on our equity theme baskets on slide two, we have uh, sort of the high beta stuff doing quite poorly on the day. Bubble stocks down uh, 3%, cybersecurity down a couple percent as well. Um, but Kim, we, we were talking a little bit of the technicals here this morning. Uh, and that level you mentioned is 39.11. I suppose that's on the uh, the cash index you're looking at. But uh, uh, what, what's your outlook here? What are you looking for to sort of be the next catalyst technically here? Yeah, true. It's the uh, it's the cash index. I prefer to look at that because the that's where you have what I call the real interests. Um, so it's it's um, yeah, thirty nine uh, eleven is uh, now a support for uh, for S and P five hundred after it was rejected at four thousand. So that is the key level I will look out here for the next couple of days. If we uh, get a close below, I always look at close prices, and that's why I'm looking at the uh, cash index. Uh, that is important to me. Um, if we get a close below uh, that uh, 39.11, well, then we could see market drifting lower. Interesting thing, though, is that the um, the uh, relative strength index is is hovering around 60, and it's actually in positive sentiment. So, so there is some little bit underlying, uh, how you can say, positive sentiment on uh, on S and P. Contrary to what we see on Nasdaq, we don't have Nasdaq here, but contrary to what we see on Nasdaq, which is not above uh, the 61. So there's negative sentiment there. And then beyond that level, I suppose it's that rising channel you would be looking for that to break down. If correct. To, to develop a more bearish uh, bearish outlook. Uh, correct, yeah. Uh, Slide it, three we're on, by the way, with your with your chart here. Yeah, correct. It's <clears> it's, <throat> the, it's the, that rising channel there that uh, could be tested if, if we uh, get a close below 39.11. And if we get a... A break below that one, a close below that, uh, um, the lower rising trend line. Yeah, that, then then uh, it seems like the correction could uh, be over. All right, and we've talked a bit about DAX here. Uh, it's, it's quite remarkable. <laughs> Peter and I were talking about uh, that. It's pretty remarkable <laughs> to say the least that we're back above or right around the the levels we were at when uh, war broke out in Ukraine with, with Russia's invasion, and we have uh, interest rates up a couple hundred basis points or more. And of course, this whole energy situation. But uh, the the market's going to do what it's going to do, and it's been on a, quite an incredible tear, really, since uh, uh, I guess uh, late September. Uh, well, most of that rally starting in October. But what's uh, what are you looking for here? I mean, that, that must be some pretty solid technical strength with this kind of move. Yeah, it is. And and uh, well, this is the daily chart also on the CAS index on 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 DAX on slide four, <clears throat> and uh, it's been impressive move, I would say. Um, also, the weekly chart has turned. Uh, we we don't have it here, but I posted it several times. Uh, that so actually medium term uh, DAX is also uh, in the uptrend. So it's actually outperforming the U.S. markets. Uh, but what we have seen lately here on DAX is that we have uh, I have circled it on the chart there on on slide four. Uh, we have this uh, evening Doji star like top and reversal pattern. Um, I can see that we have been uh, trading a little bit up uh, this morning, Friday, uh, but it needs to take out to 13,414 here. Uh, it needs to close it out, uh, above that to, to cancel this top and reversal. Other than, I mean, it's prime for a, um, it's, it's prime for, for a correction. Um, 
but but it looks very strong still. And it would, I mean, correction is one thing. There's so much room now for it to, to consolidate without it necessarily yes. reversing trend. We've oh had, yeah, yeah. It's, had, it, it's not a major reversal of a trend that we mm -hmm. we need to uh, drop uh, much uh, lower than than where we are. Yes. Okay. Now switching gears a little bit, uh, I just something I want to highlight. If if it's something you're not aware of out there, that uh, I think the options and derivative space here is really the day-to-day -day tail that is often wagging this market. There's so much uh, speculation and often day-to-day -day and even intraday moves in options. Uh, it's a bit relevant to talk about it today because we have the expiry of, I think it's a record, but it's a very high number anyway, of uh, options contracts over $2 trillion uh, in underlying assets, options expiring on that uh, today. And, and I just brought in a couple of charts to get an idea of the scale of this uh, uh, you know, increased activity in the options market. So you can see on slide five on the left there, these are from Bloomberg, these charts. You have the S&P 500 uh, call volumes, according to the CBOE. You know, we're operating on something like a, uh, let's call it a triple of what we were seeing uh, as a moving average in the prior big cycle. I'm not sure why it dropped so heavily there in the sort of the 2016 to 19 timeframe before getting back on the uh, the trend it was on prior to the, that time period. And then just the wild swings in the, the put-call ratio I found interesting. Uh, you can see how extreme the bearishness got there at times, but then it just sort of disappears uh, the next week almost. And the following slide, also quite interesting, and this is actually about speculation on the VIX itself. And I'm wondering if this is why. We've talked a little bit about why, or that it's a bit odd how low the VIX has come back in uh, relative to the volatility uh, in the market when you compare it with previous cycles. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've posted some major bear market lows without the VIX, uh, you know, those, that's been some time back, but still it was without the VIX being at extremely elevated levels like we've been used to in the past. And, and so on slide six here, I'm showing uh, it was an intraday volume, if I got this right, uh, which I think I did. Uh, so intraday volumes for, uh, so not where the, the activity was or the contracts open interest at the end of the day, but intraday of puts and calls on the VIX itself. So the puts being the uh, the reddish line and the calls being the bluish line. And I, I did a moving average just to, to take out some of the uh, uh, volatility day to day. And you can see we're at levels that were associated with, uh, for example, the, the frenetic trading around the pandemic lows there in early 2020 and that so-called Volpocalypse trade in early 2018. I think that one's a bit more interesting because I would suggest that if there is some, some uh, trigger or shock out there that propagates through these markets these derivatives exposures can suddenly blow up when you have something where you're selling insurance for example i put a december 30 vix call option there you can see what kind of insurance selling uh you know what kind of uh, performance you're getting if you're selling this kind of insurance into the market so if you sold it at let's say uh, four in in the space of uh you know a month it goes from four to about one currently uh, from october to november this december 30 vix call option and whether the market goes up or down, as long as it doesn't freak out to the downside and see an explosion of volatility, it's a very profitable trade. But as we know, these things can go the wrong way as well. That's what happened back in the so-called apocalypse uh, episode there in early 2018. And it's not to say that catastrophe is out there. I'm just saying there is a very levered system of day-to-day -day, uh, trading going on. And I suspect that a lot of that very large uh, movement on the back of the Thursday uh, CPI release Last week, the scale of that reaction, not the direction, but the scale of that reaction, the intensity might have had something to do with these derivatives exposures. Uh, consider that uh, uh, December 30 VIX call option has only a delta of 28. Suddenly that delta can go to uh, 60 or 70 if, uh, if we do get a big sell off and there are others that would be 
seeing an even more significant shift in the Delta requiring hedging. And it becomes sort of this called portfolio insurance trading style uh, move we saw back in uh, the worst case being historically the 1987 stock market crash. All right. That was just a little uh, a little note there. Uh, but other markets we've been looking at this morning, Kim, uh, include the energy markets and especially crude oil, where we're, it just looks so heavy. And, uh, you know, if we, it's been really at odds with a lot of the narrative around China opening up and hopes that China is coming back online. Uh, I don't really have the you know proximate uh, you know, news item that triggered this. I didn't see anything obvious that would have triggered this decline. I think one thing maybe a little bit coincident with this is the um, a new extreme in the inversion of the U.S. yield curve as the market is getting more nervous about pricing recession from this Fed tightening. But uh, this is a pretty heavy market here. You're, you're, you've got a WTI chart pulled up here uh, for slide seven. Yeah, I could just as well put up the uh, Brent uh, also. Uh, it, it looks almost similar. And what is interesting is that uh, WTI testing 82, it actually closed below yesterday. So so quite interesting. I mean, it, it is back in, in, a, in a bear trend. It's been sideways for a couple of weeks. But yeah, it looks very heavy, as you said, John. Um, and uh, I don't see any, much support until the October lows around the 74, 75. And it's not that strong of support, really. I think uh, WGI here on slide uh, seven will will get a little bit of support of the, from the uh, upper falling trend line in this channel. It's probably dropping back into. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I don't really see any support until around 60, 62. Uh, I mean, bulls, they should not expect much from this. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look to find really strong support around here anyway. So quite heavy. All right. Let's go uh, have a brief look at the uh, FX markets. So the um, uh, Norwegian Corona, not a big surprise to see its weakness. We've seen the Canadian uh, dollar a little bit weak as well on that uh, crude oil move. But the dollar's not really done much uh, over the last five days. It was a very sharp move. We saw that big, big sell-off, something like Eurodollar. Quite interesting here. It stopped ahead of the 105 big round level around the 200-day moving average as well. Uh, Slide eight, by the way. Uh, And that 200-day moving average is a little bit above 104 and falling. Uh, so looking for next moves out of the U.S. dollar seems to be more uh, focused on risk sentiment. We did see a decent bump higher in yields yesterday that just didn't uh, really uh, it didn't seem to be following that lead as much as it was, I think, risk uh, sentiment. So waiting for the dollar, renminbi remains weak, uh, as you see there on the trend reading of minus 3.3. It's the second weakest after uh, the U.S. dollar. And then sterling not getting anything really off of this uh, budget statement. We we uh, jawboned quite a bit on this. But it appears to be uh, that the market felt that whatever was delivered was uh, very much in line with what had been sort of flagged ahead of the fact. I think the more interesting thing is, and now that there is no reaction specifically to that, it'll be about the longer term grind, economic data as it comes in, the Bank of England, but as well, uh, guilt issuance, which is very interesting there. So the guilt issuance for the rest of this financial year into 1st of April next year, uh, the financial year in the UK runs into to April is uh, is set to come in a little bit lower than previously expected, but the issuance next year, so from the April uh, 2023 to the following April, expected to be at a net issuance of over 250 billion pounds estimated, which uh, I think that's an RBC estimate from the Bloomberg article I was reading, which uh, the analyst said is almost double, quote unquote, the prior extreme of 2011. So an absolute blitz of issuance of gilts. Can the market absorb that? It will be a very interesting test. Uh, there's certainly no signs of nervousness in the gilt market right now. We saw a very, very strong slide in yields and, and support for the market coming into this budget statement. And then naturally, the fact of the statement leads to a bit of a sell-off. We get a bit of a consolidation there. So that 
this statement just seems to have cemented that we're back to neutral, I guess, uh, for UK uh, debt relative to the rest of the um, uh, to the rest of the uh, sovereign debt around the world. And then we'll have, have to see how the Bank of England affects uh, the situation. But you know, one market you see the euro dollar spiking higher. We've seen gold spiking higher. Kim, you've got a chart here. It's become quite interesting the technicals, but we're we're just not there yet in terms of being able to call a reversal. So it's we're getting, but we're working into some key territory technically that's the you know deciding area i would guess for whether we can sort of pull back into the upper range and get the focus back higher yeah true uh, yeah we have uh, gold uh, here on uh, slide 9 it's the weekly chart um so the key level i'm looking out for is around 1808 uh that that gold needs to close above for totally changing this or totally reversing this downtrend we uh, we have been in for for quite some time uh for now it is just a, a correction but uh so, so 1808 is the uh, key level to look out for we also have some some uh similar moving average coming down there putting a kind of a lid on it so that's really the key level to look out for if we start drifting lower again which i suspect we could do over the uh, next couple of days um but let's let's look out for what, what's happening here it, it, i'm not convinced it's a complete uh, trend change just yet all right, and then on yields, uh, everyone needs to know what's going on, going on with yields. That was the story driving everything uh, for so long. It seems to have faded a little bit back into the background, but uh, we, you know, we still are in mid range. There's some pretty big, big levels we would need to take out to, to discuss a more profound uh, drop in, in these longer term U.S. yields, especially. Yeah, I mean, for for now, it's just a correction. I mean, yes, we are in in a very short term downtrend with lower lows and lower highs, but the key level to look out for is three and a half percent where there's very strong support um and it this is uh the us 10 year on on slide 10 uh so three and a half percent you should look out for if it can't test that uh that is is a sign of strength if we move back above four percent well then i believe that we could see uh four and a uh, four three quarters maybe even five going into uh, next year q1 q2 next year there was a uh, chart I saw circulated around by, by uh, I'll, I'll try to tweet it out if I can find it again, by St. Louis Fed President Bullard uh, talking about what would the appropriate Fed rate be according to their traditional uh, measures and metrics. And it was not where it is now. It's more like, I think, the bottom range of the two different uh, uh, the ver versions of the rule uh, were at 5%. I think a little bit about 5% was the lower one and the other one was, uh, was much higher. Uh, but just, yeah, very interesting because we're not anywhere near there. Uh, just yet and the market expecting us not to peak or, or to peak below five uh, percent all right brief look at the macro calendar really not much to write home about we have uh, a couple data points out of the us the existing home sales leading index kind of interesting but it takes a long time for that to be in the negative territory before it be a negative territory before it starts suggesting we're in a recession it doesn't really lead as much as you would hope um and the Canadian uh, home price index, that's been falling off uh, quite a bit, but we're still, uh, I looked this morning, at uh, 33% or more above where we were pre-pandemic. So it's just been a remarkable boom in housing from the low rates. And we all know what these uh, massively higher rates are going to impact. I have not updated next week's calendar thoroughly. I only just uh, uh, put in the U.S. data points of note. It's important it's a, to note that it is a, a less liquid week next week. Generally, not much activity from Wednesday on because Wednesday is often a travel day for Thursday, which is a holiday. And I don't know why, but they do bother to open on Friday for a half day in the U.S. after Thanksgiving when uh, very few want to show up or do show up for work. So whatever. We also get the FOMC minutes next Wednesday, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll fill out this calendar 
uh, next week. All right. I think uh, interesting days ahead. Uh, remember the options expiring. Uh, so just we could get weird volatility without any necessarily any headlines if, if things start to get moving. But uh, we'll see what happens. Stay careful out there. And we'll be back next week with a Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>